actually Brock here, and before I continue to read further, I just want to give you a heads up. A lot of the voices are going to sound a lot alike, and it's probably going to be a little confusing to understand who's who. And that's because a lot of the violins sound the same. They have the same kind of voice in my head and both when I make these books. The problem is, all six of the violin boys are in this one. And then now Boone's going to soon be showing up, their dad. And you're going to wonder, why is Grayson's voice the only unique one? Grayson's voice is the only unique one, mainly because it makes my throat hurt when I do it. And two, because in my mind, Grayson resembles their grandfather more than anybody of the rest of them. And so he has his grandfather's voice. The rest of them have a voice similar to Boone's. So... The one that has the exact same voice as Boone is Nate, so be prepared. Alright, Dolores Fawson's book, Mason, Chapter 5. Mason listened to every word that Abby said, but it took him a moment for her bombshell to sink in. Who wants Boone dead? Mason asked. Other than me, that is. There was a flash of annoyance in her eyes, probably because she felt he was being too hard on her surrogate daddy. He wasn't. There wasn't such a thing as too hard when it came to Boone Ryland. I don't know who wants him dead, she insisted, but I could tell from his voice and body language that the threat was real. Hell, this was not a turn that Mason wanted. It might not even be true. Just the fact that Abby had tossed it out there meant it would have to be investigated. Not by him. Well, not unless he learned that Boone had been the one to cross the fire and the gunman. Then Boone would have to answer for it. Grayson shook his head. If Boone thought someone was trying to kill him, why would he let you out of his sight? It was a good question, especially considering Boone had chosen to raise this woman, and she seemingly had such a high opinion of him. Mason only wished he'd thought of the question first. He couldn't let the past in Abby's vulnerable eyes cloud his head. Too late, the little voice inside of him mumbled. Mason would make it his mission to prove that little voice wrong. Like I said, I lied to him. Abby explained. Boone thought it would be a good idea if I disappeared for a while and put some distance between him and me. He wouldn't say why, she quickly added. He seemed relieved when I told him I was going to Austin for a month, but I didn't dare tell him I was coming here or he would have tried to stop me. He knows none of you want contact with him directly or otherwise. I just wanted to find out why he might be in danger. So if Abby was telling the truth, and Mason thought she might be, about this anyway, then Boone was in some kind of danger and he didn't want that spilling on to her. Clearly, he loved his foster daughter a heck of a lot more than he loved his sons. But that didn't surprise Mason. I need to do some checking, Grayson finally said. If the fire and the gunman are connected to Boone, then I'll have to ask him some questions. Mason waited for Abby to object. She didn't. Strange. Mason had thought she might try to come up with a good reason why Grayson shouldn't do that. Mason was certainly trying to come up with one. He didn't want Grayson or anyone else in the family to have any contact with the man. However, the alternative to questioning Boone wasn't a good one. The possibility of continued danger and threats on the ranch. Grayson looked at him. I need to wrap up some things with the fire chief and check on Nate and Dade. Good plan. But Mason knew if his brothers had found the gunman, they would have called why don't you go ahead and take Abby to the main house? The doctor will be here soon, Grayson suggested. Mason wasn't sure what Grayson saw in his expression, but it caused him that. She's just a messenger, Mason. She didn't cause Boone to walk out on us all those years ago. Abby looked both uncomfortable with that reminder and a little relieved. 
Of course, if she was telling the truth about all of this, she would no doubt want them to leap headfirst into Saban Boom. That wasn't going to happen, unless saving his sorry butt would mean keeping the family safe, but Mason was a long way from believing that. Come on, Mason told Abby, and he started out of his office and toward the main house. Kept his gun ready, just in case, but he doubted the gunman would make a repeat appearance tonight. You think this is a smart move? Abby asked, catching up with him. I don't want the gunman coming to the house. Neither do I, Mason drew. It's the safest place on the ranch. It has a security system with surveillance cameras. Some areas of the grounds had cameras, too, as soon as he... As soon as he had Abby tucked away in one of the guest rooms, she could wait for the doctor, and he'd check the surveillance feed to see what he could find out about the gunman, about Abby, too. Your family isn't going to like me being there, she mumbled. She followed him along the crushed limestone walking path that would take them directly to the back porch. Mason couldn't disagree with that. They wouldn't like it, but they wouldn't turn her out. Not tonight, anyway. If he found out, she told him another lie, even a single one, and he would toss her out himself. I didn't mean for any of this to happen, Abby added. I figured I'd come here, get some answers to save Boone, and leave. Guess you figured wrong, huh? But Mason immediately regretted that dick. Yeah, they'd been jabbing at each other since he spilled the beans about Boone, but it wasn't helping matters. There was no way Abby could ever understand how Boone had ripped his sons to pieces and then turned his back on them. That led him back full circle to a question he just had to ask. Boone knew about my mother's suicide? There was enough illumination from the security lights in the house that Mason could see the answer on Abby's sudden stark face. He knew. He didn't talk about it, but I heard him mention it once to my mother. Her mother, probably the woman Boone had bedded down with while still a married man. Mason didn't tend to ask about that or anything else that wasn't directly re relevant to the investigation into the fire and the gunman. The less he knew about Boone, the better. The man was like battery acid. He'd wit the people he'd once claimed to love. I think Boone kept up with all of you as best he could, she claimed, but he always did it in a way not to draw attention to himself. Yeah, so that no one could find him after he ran out. But something about that didn't sit right. Not now. Not after meeting Abby. Maybe Boone had lain low for her sake to keep the corrupt ex-cop Ferguson from finding her more battery acid. Boone had protected Abby, but he hadn't cared a rat's you knew what about his own blood kid for the past two decades. Mason walked ahead of her onto the porch and punched in the code to unlock the door. Yet another recently added security measure. After a couple of intruders and then even and even attacks on the grounds, Mason had taken a lot of measures that he hoped would keep everyone safe. When he stepped into the kitchen ahead of Abby, Mason slid his gun into his waist of his jeans, but he nearly drew it again when he heard the movement. It's just me, his kid brother Kevin. Grayson called, said there was a problem, so I turned off the lights. Mason kept them off, but he could still see because of the outside lights. Cat was at the table feeding a bottle to one of his twin girls. Mason didn't have a clue which one because Leah and Mia were identical. Everything okay, Cat asked. Did they find the gunman? Not yet. When Abby didn't come inside, Mason took her home again and urged her in. Best to minimize her time outside, because the gunman was still at large. Cat's attention landed on Abby. Is it true? She's been with Boone all these years? Pretty much. Well, unless she was lying, but Mason couldn't think of a good reason for her to do that yet. Still didn't make sense to lie about something that was going to make her an outcast. That's exactly what it had done. Cat didn't sound any happier about the situation than Mason was.
I'm sorry for all the trouble, Abby mumbled. She was closer when Cab put the baby against his chest to burp her. Even in the dim light, Mason could see Abby smile at the event. How many grandchildren does Boone have? Mason wanted to answer none because the man who had to be a father first before he could come off grandfather, Boone wasn't anywhere close to being a father. Six. Cat answered, still staring at her. Abby smiled as all, probably because of Cat's less than warm tone. That was Mason's cue to get her out of there. This way, Mason instructed, and he led her out of the kitchen, into the foyer, and up the stairs. It wasn't a short walk. The three-story house was huge, and it was getting bigger now that Cat and his wife were building another addition so they'd have private quarters. He heard Abby's breath racing by the time they made it to the top of the stairs. She was winded. He was betting that was part of the adrenaline crash. Soon she'd be too exhausted to see it. Mason led her to the room directly across from his. Part of him wanted to put her as far away as possible, but the danger wasn't over. Plus, he wasn't sure he could trust her. He didn't want her sneaking out before they got the answers needed for their investigation. The guest room. He let her know turn open the door. The doctor will be here soon to make sure you're okay. If you need anything, I'll be in there. He pointed to his own suite. She nodded, pushed her hair from her face, but she didn't go inside. In the morning, I'll need to go to the bank so I can get some money to leave. All my cash burned in the guest house, and I don't have a credit card. Mason hadn't forgotten about the fire, but for the first time he realized all of Abby's belongings had been inside. I owe you some wages, and if it's not enough, I'll lend you the money. She managed another of those awkward smiles. You're really anxious to get me out of here. Can you blame me? No. She shook her head. Mason didn't miss the slight tremble in her voice. She was trembling against him. You think it's safe for you to go? It's never safe. Her case came to a curious. If I don't get a chance to tell you tomorrow, thank you for saving me not only once, but twice, and for hiring me. I'm 32, but it's the first time I've gotten a job without Boone's help. For some reason, that omission and the trembling bothered him. You don't need his help for a job. I watched you with the horses yesterday, and you know what you're doing. That's high praise coming from you, if she paused. It wasn't a lie, you know. I really did read about the ranch, about what you've accomplished here. You've done a good job, Mason. He didn't want to be flattered, but he was the ranch. It was his baby. He was as married to it as his brothers were to their spouses and badges. Yeah, he had a badge, too, but it would never mean as much as this place did. Good night, Abby mumbled. She turned and stumbled right smack dab into the door. Mason automatically reached out and caught her. He didn't pull her into his arms and pick her up as he'd done before. The less contact, the better. You just need some rest, he assured her, but he didn't let go of her. Abby made a sound to indicate she didn't believe him. With good reason. It was a lie. Unless she had nerves of steel, she was going to be dealing with the fire and attack for a while. The stuff of nightmares, which she'd no doubt have the moment she fell asleep. When the trembling kept up, Mason mumbled some profanity, slipped his arms around her waist, and led her to the bed. He didn't dawdle. Every moment he was next to Abby, like this was a moment of discomfort, and only gave more thoughts of why he didn't want to think about the discomfort. He deposited her on the bed, issued a hasty goodnight, and headed for the door. Oh, man, what the heck was going on inside his head? Except he was pretty sure his head wasn't in on this particular feelings. No, this was a behind-the-zipper-below-the-belt kind of reaction, a slap-in-the-face reminder that he really needed to take the time to be with a woman soon. Not Abby, of course. She might put a stain on his wranglers, but she was hands-off. There was no way he'd get past her association with Boone or the danger. 
Alliance too. Hell, she had a whole state of strikes against her. No use in spelling. No use spelling them out. All out. All out again. Mentally kicking himself, he headed to his room, took off his stetson, slapped on the lights, and made a beeline for his laptop in the sitting room, office area, mostly office. There were files, memos, and notes stacked high but neatly on the desk. Bessie's doing. He never. He needed to remember to thank the housekeeper, caregiver, for digging out the place again. On the laptop, dude. Once the laptop booted up, Mason sank down in the chair and clicked on the security camera icon. The images immediately popped on the screen. He saw the fire department still at work next to what was left of the guest cottage. Grayson was talking to Dade and Nate, which meant his brothers hadn't found the gunman. Soon Mason would get a call from one of them to let him know that and inform him of any other update on the search. But for now, Mason tapped in the stored security feed and he backtracked an hour. No flames in the cottage then, no one lurking around either, but he kept watching and he finally saw the shadowy figure near the back porch area. There were no security cameras there. Had the guy known that? Maybe, and it Mason had some modifications to make. He wanted that in all areas of the ranch covered, even if it was too little, too late. The person on the screen moved quickly, opening a gas can and dousing the porch with the liquid, but he didn't light it. He disappeared from sight. The seconds ticked away on the camera clock. A full minute passed before the front door of the cottage popped open. But it wasn't Abby, the arsonist again. He obviously broken in or gone through the back to the front of the house. His man wearing dark clothes and a baseball cap slung low on his forehead. He had some kind of tool in his hand that he used to unhinge the door. And he propped it in place before he hurried back to the gas can. He lit it with the flick of a match. Mason saw the flames burst around the back of the cottage. He tried not to image, imagine Abby being inside. She probably hadn't smelled the smoke at this point. Probably didn't know she was a threat away from dying. The smoke and fire billowed from the cottage, and even though there was no audio, he saw the shadowy figure move behind a tree. He put away the tool that he used to unchange the door and took something else from his pocket. Mason couldn't see what, but he copied the still frame and would send it in for analysis. Moments later on the screen, Mason saw Abby throw open the door and yell for help. She was staggering, probably because of the smoke, and that was maybe why she hadn't realized the door was falling on her. She was too late to get out of the way. It slammed right into her back, knocking her to the ground. Mason switched camera angles, going back to the arsonist. The guy stayed there behind the tree, watching and holding whatever was in his hand. It didn't budge until Mason came running toward the cottage and toward Abby. He didn't stay on that camera angle. Mason switched to the others, looking for the arsonist. Finally, he went to the camera near the fence. Bingo. The guy was hiding behind another tree, waiting to gun down Abby, no doubt. Mason zoomed in on his face, just as the feed until he captured the image, copied it, and immediately emailed it to his brother Gage at the Silver Creek Sheriff's Office. He also grabbed the phone and called him. Gage answered on the first ring. There's our intruder, he asked Mason. He is. Can you run it through the facial recognition software? I also need to see if you can identify what he's holding in the first photo. On that now, Gage assured him. Mason heard him typing something on his keyboard. Everything else okay at the house? The wives and kids are all safe, including your better half. Mason waited for the rest of Gage's question. He didn't have to wait long. Boone's not trying to worm his way back into the family, is he? Gage asked. I don't think so, but it doesn't matter. He's not stepping foot on this ranch. Good. Gage growled. He paused. What about your horse trainer? Abby Baker. 
Amazing provided. She'll be leaving in the morning. And his wranglers on his knee jerk reaction to her situation weren't going to have to have a say in it. When Grayson called earlier, he said she believes someone wants to kill Boo. He went on Kenton line, right? Yeah. But the argument, the agreement didn't feel as right as Mason wanted it to. She said something happened last month that made Boone start getting nervous. Last month, had significant meaning to Gage because Senator Ford Harrington, the man who murdered their grandfather, had also been Gage's father-in-law. One month ago, Ford had committed suicide. Ford was dirty as they came, Gage verified, but he's dead. He's no threat to any of us, including Boone. Mason was about to agree with that as well, but Gage spoke before he could say anything. Well, he didn't speak exactly. Gage cursed. I got an immediate hit with the facial recognition software, Gage said. We got some major trouble, brother. Lock up the branch. I'll get there as fast as I can. End of chapter 5.